Leaders come in all different shapes and sizes and with many different styles. There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Our goal is to connect with leaders who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and others. To learn about their unique leadership styles and to provide our listeners with inspiration to lead. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast with Empower Leadership President Dan Jascott. Our guest today is Greg Jascott. I've known Greg for just about 38 years. He's one of my younger brothers. Uh, Greg is uh, a coach at Xavier High School. He's also the Associate Director of Advancement at Xavier High School. And uh, very excited to have you on today, Greg. Thank you for joining us. And we're going to get right into it. Uh, you know, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, a little bit about what you do at Xavier High School. Um, give them a, a sneak peek at what, uh, who it is that Greg Jaskot is. Thanks for having me, Dan. Um, I, I've been a, a teacher coach uh, and currently work in our advancement office. Uh, I'll tell you about how I started at Xavier. Um, I, I came on as a freshman assistant coach in 2005. Uh, shortly thereafter, I was hired to teach Spanish. Uh, I did that. Uh, as well as coach for the past, uh, I shouldn't say for the past, for about 14 years, um, continuing my, my coaching career and uh, moving up through the different levels, uh, currently the offensive coordinator. Uh, and I moved out of the classroom about a year and a half ago, uh, and I am the associate director of advancement, uh, which deals a lot with fundraising and alumni relations. Awesome. And um, Outside of Xavier High School, and I know, uh, you know, obviously we're, we're both very involved there, you much more than I am, but, uh, you know, Greg and I both grew up at Xavier. Um, outside of Xavier, what are some of the things that you do? What are some of your interests? Uh, I, I like golf. Uh, I'm not very good at it, but I like golfing. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm very into uh, my family, you know, family time. My brother's very close with my, both my brothers, my parents. Um, you know, and I, I spend a lot of time uh, dealing with football stuff, to be honest with you. It's a, I'm very passionate about coaching and uh, have tried over the years to improve as a coach and, you know, expand my knowledge of, of the game, to be honest with you. Uh, it's, not only is it something I do on a daily basis, but it is certainly a uh, hobby outside of work as well. Absolutely. And I, I'll, I'll attest to that. Uh, you know, I, I've been out of coaching football for quite some time, but some of my favorite times are when you break out the whiteboard uh, you know, during halftime or before one of the Giants games on Sundays and, uh, you know, to see what you're doing and see how the game is advanced and to try to convince you to get under center uh, <laughs> in, in, in the modern offense. So, so uh, you know, really excited to have you on. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to do Thank so. You. Um, you know, obviously we're in the middle of a pretty, pretty unique situation right here with the, with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, what have you been doing to spend your time? Obviously, the routine's changed a little bit. I know you've been going in and out of work a little bit. What's, uh, what's, what's your time been like uh, since uh, the school shutdown happened last week? It's, it's strange. It's, uh, you know, I, I have been going into my office for a couple hours most days, at least a couple hours, and just uh, you know, keeping up with voicemails, uh, emails, and getting a few things that I need to get done on a daily basis. Um, you know, in, in, in the in-between, I've been watching a lot of Netflix, to be honest with you. Um, and then obviously doing quite a bit of football work uh, and, and, you know, evaluating where we were at last year as a team and, you know, what we're going to do moving forward. Um, you know, and, and it really is strange. Um, you know, one of the 
most important pieces and the, and the reason I continue to work at Xavier is, is having the kids around and it's, it's bizarre going to school every day and there's no kids and it's not a planned vacation. Um, you know, so that's, it's, uh, it's certainly a strange, uh, and quite the, have to make quite the adjustment to it, to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um going, going, you mentioned Netflix, which I think a lot <laughs> is a common, uh, <laughs> it's probably a common therapy for a lot of people right now. What, uh, what's currently on, on your list? What have you been getting into? What's, what's the binge well, watch see. right now? <laughs> I, I finished Better Call Saul uh, a couple weeks ago before this whole thing started, which I, I wish I saved it. <laughs> um, but I, I watched a little bit of Blacklist. Uh, they, they pretty much all the same, the episode. So I kind of stopped watching that. Uh, a couple of football kids told me to watch All American, I believe it's called. It's probably one of the worst television series I've ever watched in my life. But uh, I have watched, I have watched quite a few episodes of it. Uh, it's about, it's about a, a high school football team and uh, you know illegal recruiting and all that good stuff. Uh, not, not the football as usual is not very realistic. Oftentimes comical, to be honest with you. But uh, I mean, it's it passes the time. Uh, you know, it's something different than what I usually usually watch. So, at least you're giving uh, it a chance, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm giving it enough of a chance. I don't know how many more episodes I'll make it. But uh, we we both grew up in football. And this is completely off topic here, but you brought up how the football is not very realistic in this television show. Is there a, a show or a movie? that you can think of where the football was actually realistic to what it is. Like you coach, you're in, you're, you know, you're in it every day. I can't think of one off the top of my head. No, I mean, there probably aren't too many out there where it's very realistic. Um, you know, it's Hollywood's version of football and it doesn't quite look like the football we see on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Um, what's, what's your, most, fa- most what's your favorite football movie? My favorite football movie. Uh, um, uh, aside from the giant Super Bowl videos, uh, <laughs> you probably hate it, but I like the the Rudy story. Yeah, no, I don't hate the Rudy story. I like the Rudy story. <laughs> I'm, I love uh, the story as well. The movie, I don't know, but yeah, Rudiger. Um, yeah. <laughs> we saw him as kids. I think at a at a Walter Camp basketball game years yeah. ago. Um, I think the real the real Rudy was like a halftime guest, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, I believe so. Um, yeah. My favorite would be um, the longest yard, the original. Yeah, yeah, that's a certainly a good movie. Great the remake movie. Is not, remake's not so bad. No, remake's not bad. It's not. It's not great. Not horrible. But the the original longest yard is probably my favorite movie outside of the Giants. Uh, I could watch eighty six, <laughs> ninety. 2007 2011 I can watch that over and over again. So yeah. you mentioned Netflix. One of the things. Uh, the, the Yes Network has been airing uh, reruns of the, the Yankees World Series from, you know, 96 and, and, and two thousand you know, through 2000. And that's been uh, a nice, uh, <laughs> nice little break from reality at, at night is listening to uh, John Sterling and, and Michael Kay. But John called them Mike back then. I never realized that. They were mm. the radio guys and it was John Sterling and Mike Kay calling mm. the Yankees uh, – I happened to catch the the two games that happened after nine eleven in the in the World Series against the Arizona Diamondbacks, and it was unbelievable to see that. So. Yeah, um, you mentioned obviously you've gone back to Xavier a couple times, um, and, and, and it's you know different for you. What what 
if you had to pinpoint a couple things about your normal routine that you miss the most, what would those be? The kids. You know, I, I, I'm not in the classroom anymore, and it's not we're not in season, but I still see on a daily basis, you know, a, a good number of kids that come down to my office for, you know, a couple minutes in between class or at lunchtime or before school, after school. And that's, you know, part of the reason, I, the biggest part of the reason I work in a school is that. I mean, it's the interaction with the, the students, the student athletes. Um, and you, you, you know, I said to someone the other day, it's a, you, a time like this, this makes you realize how important those kids are to you. And, uh, you know, one thing I always talk about with, with the football kids is family. And, you know, you don't realize how, how important these kids are to you until a situation like this where you don't get to see them or communicate with them uh, on a daily basis. And uh, it's, been, it's been difficult, to be honest with you. Um, it's, it certainly is a challenge and uh, a, quite, a, quite an adjustment that, you know, I don't know if I'm, I would ever fully uh, get used to or adjust fully to. Uh, but it's the reason I go to work every day is to to interact with the kids. And, you know, obviously I have my day-to-day job uh, responsibilities as well, but I don't think I would be in, in a school setting if it weren't, weren't for those guys. You know, that's keeps you, keeps you going back. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then obviously the, the, the change in routine is, 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 all, is causing us all to do some things differently. What do you like most about, um, if anything, um, about, about this change into, you know, to the routine. Uh, there's not much I like about it, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I have more groceries in my house than I've ever had in probably 20 years of my life. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't, there's not really much I like about it. I mean, the, the, the lack of human interaction, if you will, is, is not really, not really something that anyone should be used to, to be honest with you yeah. uh, at this point. I mean, you're talking from going into a restaurant and sitting down having dinner to going to a store feeling like you can walk around and see people you know shake their hands uh you know give them a hug whatever it may be and you can't do any of that right now and uh it's bizarre so i don't know yeah. if there's i don't know if there's any part of it that i like to be honest with you you mentioned or uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier that you've been able to dedicate some time to prep for football kind of reflecting mm-hmm. on uh your your season last year and, and some stuff uh for the upcoming year without getting into too much detail. I don't want you to give away any tactical knowledge right here. What are, what are, what are some of the things you've been working on um, now that you've had some more time to do so? Well, it's, I mean, it's simple. I mean, any, any coach and, and, you know, there's the, I'm sure there are several hundreds, if not thousands of coaches out there that are better than me, but uh, any coach that, that wants to improve or wants to do well, should take time to evaluate themselves and, and where they're at, what they've done. Um, you know, so I spend a lot of time looking at what we did as an offense last year. Um, you know, things we did well, things we did poorly, whether it was schematically, um, whether it was, it could have been play calling, you know, from my end, uh, maybe it's how we practiced it, installed it. You know, so I take a lot, I spend a lot of time looking at, you know, what we did on a week to week basis. Uh, in a game, which in turn, you know, you can look back at what you did in practice that week. Uh, you yeah. look back at some of your old practice scripts and how you prepared each week. And um, you really you want, really want to evaluate, A, you know, what your system is, you know, anything you need to make, anything you need to make adjustments to, uh, whether it's a depth of a route, uh, whether it's the scheme up front, the protection. Uh, but beyond that, you also have to evaluate yourself. What am I doing well as a coordinator? How am I preparing our kids? How am I preparing our coaches to coach our kids? Yeah. Uh, so I, I look at a lot of that stuff. And, you know, each offseason, I try to pinpoint different parts of, quote, unquote, game. 
uh, to evaluate. You know, last off season, for example, I started um, a big evaluation of our um, red zone, green zone offense. So I spent a ton of time looking at what we did from the 20 yard line and in throughout the season. How did we prepare for it? Did we prepare enough for it? Yep. Uh, did we have the, you know, ammo in our offense to, to function well in those situations? And, um, you know, how was I prepared to call in those situations? So I spent a ton of time doing that and speaking to other coaches, um, you know, friends, uh, coaches on our staff, coaches on other staffs. Um, I, I spoke with uh, NFL, current NFL quarterbacks and just to get their <laughs> advice and their experiences um, at different levels. And, you know, you take bits and pieces and, you know, what it boils down to is you, you got to stay within yourself, but at the same time, you always have to be looking to improve in areas that you can improve. In. And, and the reality is this, you should always have areas that you can improve. Yep. Uh, it, it's, it's the moments that you feel comfortable and that you got it all that, that you, you're really failing as a coach, in my opinion. Absolutely. And you, you touched on a, a couple great points there and, and we'll, we'll dive into these a little deeper as we get going, but great leaders have to have the courage and the guts to look back on what happened, why it happened, where they fell short, and what are they going to do to get better from it? And yeah, I mean, you can't let that stuff stick with you because it'll impact your performance moving forward. But if mm -hmm. you never look back on it and find out what we did well, why we did it well, what we didn't do well, why we didn't do well, and how are we going to you know, continue to maintain those strengths but then get better? And, and yeah, you touched and, and, on that, that. That's a huge key of leadership, and not a lot of people do that. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you can't – I just uh, recently I taught a lesson for two day or two day lesson in a uh, coaching elective class at Xavier. Uh, I do it each semester, so twice a year. And one of the things that we talked about was, you know, everyone wants to look at the wins and the victories and the celebrations, and it's the it's you got to have the courage, like you said, to look at the failures. And in the reason being is that more times than not. I'd say the majority of the time, you're going to learn more from the failures than you are from the, the victories. And, and one thing, you know, two years ago, we, we only won two games. Uh, it, was a, it was a long season, to say the least, but you can't just ignore it like it wasn't there. You have to look back at what did we do, uh, and, and from my perspective, offensively, that we need to do better. Yep. Um, you know, and whether part of it was personnel, part of it was scheme, whatever it may be, you have to look at it because there are, are certain things you can take from it. And, and which will help you move forward and improve as a coach, which in turn is going to improve your team, your, pro, you know, your, yeah. your offense. Yeah. Um, you know, I talked a lot of, I talked a lot to those guys about not only do I, as a coordinator, not only do I have to coach the, the 70 some on kids on the team, but I also have to make sure that my coaches that coach the offensive side yeah. of the ball are prepared. So you're coaching coaches. Um, you hope that they're doing their, their end of the work as well. Uh, so that, the, you know, the coach are prepared to teach the kids who become prepared and, you know, you bring it all together when it's all said and done. But you certainly need to look at what you, where you failed and, and as well as where you've succeeded. Uh, but more times than not, you're going to learn more from, from where you failed. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And we, uh, we're going to, before we get into, you know, some, some more structured questions here, um, again, my, my younger brother, Greg Jascott, uh, we've known each other for too long that I think either one of us want to admit mm -hmm. Um, haven't always gotten along great, haven't always been, you know, great friends, you know, growing up. Um, 
currently I would say it's a complete opposite. Um, you know, a great friend, someone I can always, uh, rely on, trust, talk to. Um, and I get to watch you as a, as a coach, uh, in the fall. Um, and, and you know, a couple things I, I admire about that is, is, um, your drive to get better and your drive to improve as a coach. And we'll dive into this a little bit later on, but, you know, from where you were when you started as an assistant freshman football coach with zero coaching experience to what you're doing now. And, and then also your, your ability to make connections with, with kids and, one of the strongest skills of any leader is the ability to build relationships so you can have the tough conversations. Uh, you can share the moments of success and uh, seeing you in that action is, is absolutely inspiring. And it's uh, uh, so happy to have you on and uh, really appreciate, appreciate you it. taking the time to do that. So thank um, you. I appreciate it. So we, you touched on this a little bit, but uh, you know, give the, the listeners a little bit of insight um, into those that you lead specifically talk about the difference between coaching and leading athletes versus coaching and leading other coaches. Um, well, you know, it's a lot of it is, um, you know, experience. I mean, kids are, are young. Um, you know, part of, part of being a coach and teacher is, um, you know, hopefully you, you teach them and lead them to do things the right way. Um, you know, so there's, there's a big part of that where coaches on the flip side of that have more life experience and they've experienced some, you know, typically more things than a lot of these kids have experienced. Um, you know, most of us on our current staff have been coaching together for quite some time. So we know each other very well. Uh, we know our strengths and weaknesses, but I think, you know, no matter who, no matter the age group, I think you have to understand the strengths and weaknesses of the people that you're, you're teaching and, and leading. Um, you know, and I always say, you know, you get a, a roster of 70 kids and you're talking about 10 to 12 coaches, you know, you got to know the people you're working with uh, in order to, to lead them well, coach them well. Um, and if you're not able to do that, it makes it, it makes it challenging, more challenging than it should be. Um, you know, and I always say to especially young coaches when they come on is you got to get to know your players because every kid can, should be handled in a different manner in, in, in a sense they're all unique you know not every kid uh can be coached the same way and I think that's the same in the classroom I think that's the same and no matter what what aspect of teaching or leading you're talking about uh every person is unique whether it's a coach player manager uh trainer everyone is unique and you have to treat each person as so uh which means that you have to be able to adjust your your style at times um not get away from who you are as a coach, but, you know, know who you're dealing with. And I, I think that's a very important aspect. Without a doubt. And, and I think it's something that I've, a challenge that I've struggled with as a leader is, you know, you keep your, your mission and, and your vision and those things that you're passionate about. And, you know, whether it's coaching or, or running a business, you have kind of your, your culture, but, without sacrificing the integrity of that you do have to recognize that person a is going to respond to a different type of teaching and and feedback mm -hmm. than person b than person c and etc and it's that it's that that dance of being true to who you are being true to why you're doing what you're doing 
but also having flexibility to be able to make those connections and, and do what you can to help the, the athlete or the employee or the student understand and learn and develop. Uh, it's a, it's no a tough question. balance for sure. Yeah, it is. And I, I mean, I, I always think about, you know, the, the quarterback room. I was this past year, we had three uh, quarterbacks in the quarterback room. They're all sophomores um, and each unique in their own way. And, and whether it was emotionally, physically, their, you know, gifts and talents athletically, um, you know, so I, the amount of time I spend with those guys, obviously you get to know them quite well, but you also know how they respond yeah. uh, and react to adversity. And you, you, you know, you learn that as you get to know them, but you know, Unfortunately, there are people that probably don't pay attention to that aspect of leading or coaching, and you know those are the those are the guys that typically don't make the connections with the players and and probably don't get the most out of their their athletes. Yep, and uh, that's a great point. And you and I are both um, outside of our our work, both you know passionate New York Giants fans, and I, and that would come from you know our father Tony. Um, but probably even above and beyond Tony, our, our uncle David, who, who's no, no longer with us, but he, he was probably the most passionate giant fan we've ever crossed paths with. And uh, you know, the giants hired a new coach, young coach, Joe judge. And one of the things he said in his opening press conference was stop telling me about what our athletes cannot do. And let's talk about what our athletes can do. And then coach to yeah. that. And uh, you know, hopefully that mentality I, we, I think we've, it's fair to say, genetics aside, we've lost a lot of hair because of Sunday <laughs> frustrations over the past few yeah. years. So hopefully that'll start to play out again and, and they're a little bit better than what they have been the past couple of years this, uh, this yeah. coming fall. No, no question. And I think that's, that goes along with the recognition of, you know, uh, who, who, who your student athletes are, you know, and getting to know them as, as not only athletes, but as people. Yeah. Um, you know, their ability physically, but also their, you know, how, how they react and respond to different situations emotionally. Without a well. doubt. If you had to describe in a, in a sentence or less, if you had to describe your leadership style, who's Greg Jaskot as a leader, what, what would you, what would you say? Um, in a sentence or less, I, you know, I, it's, if I can pinpoint one coaching style, you know, I, I would, but I, you know, I think my big thing and the thing I always focus on uh, is, is coaching for the, the student athlete and not for Greg Jascott. Um, you know, I do what I do for them uh, and for the school before I do for me. Um, you know, I try to be, you know, hard on, hard on the kids, um, but fair. Um, you know, I want the kids to understand that, you know, I'm willing to put the time in for them. I want them to be willing to do the same uh, for for each other, mm-hmm. uh, not for me, but for each other. Um, you know, so I think that I'm, uh, I, you know, I, I care a great deal about these kids and, uh, you know, treat them as as family, truthfully. And, uh, you know, but me as, as a coach, as a leader, uh, you know, I'm a fair leader, um, someone who's not afraid to, um, not afraid to challenge others, but also challenge myself um, to, to improve, yep. to be honest with you. Great. Awesome answer. Um, a leadership strength of yours and a leadership weakness? Uh, strength, I would say that my work ethic is, is a strength of mine. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, every, every coach has a, you know, 
different circumstances. Uh, you know, some, some have families and kids and whatnot. I, I have the time to spend and dedicate more <laughs> than some others, but uh, I enjoyed doing it and I wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, but I think that would certainly be a strength is my, my uh, work ethic and my, you know, willingness to spend the time. A weakness is, um, I think, I think uh, a weakness of mine is, is sometimes being able to trust the others that you work with, you know, in giving up some of the responsibility. Uh, and that's been going back some years. And I actually, as recent as a couple of years ago, started to challenge myself to do that mm -hmm. um, because it's only going to help those other coaches grow as well. Um, you know, but when I first started, it's, you know, sometimes you felt like you're relying on other people too much. And then you kind of get into this groove where you feel like you're doing everything on your own um, and not trusting anyone else to help you. And, you know, recently, I, like I said, within the past couple of years, I've started to kind of take some stuff off of my plate uh, for several reasons. So I can focus on different areas of what I need to focus on, but also, like I said, to challenge some of those guys. Um, and this year, moving forward, I'm going to do the same. Um, I've actually come up with um, a plan um, with our head coach to to share some of the film responsibilities with uh, with our assistant coaches. And um, you know, I think it's important that you you show the people you work with that you trust them. Uh, just like it's important that you show the kids that you trust the kids when they're out there doing yeah. you know doing what you ask them to do. Um, and I think that was cert certainly was a weakness and continues to be at times. Um, but I, like I said, it's an, it's an area that I focus on, uh, and I, I have been focused on and will continue to. Yep. And I, yeah, I, I, I would share that, that weakness for sure. It's, it's hard to give up as a, as a leader, some, especially something that you're so passionate about. It's, it's hard to give up control of, of yeah, situations. And, you know, and, and when you, and when you think about it, it's not, it's not that I don't think those guys are good coaches or that they can't do it. It's just that you want to be in control in those, yeah. you know, of those different things. And because uh, I, I work with some of the most outstanding, some of the best assistant coaches that coach on the offensive side of the ball with me in the, in the state, in my opinion, yeah. um, you know, I wouldn't trade them for anything. And uh, yeah, I think that that's, you know, just part of me is I, you know, like you said, you like being in control of, of your, your stuff and it's hard to give it up sometimes. It's comfortable, right? And we 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 yeah. love we love doing things that are comfortable for us, but we don't you know don't grow, don't don't develop from from maintaining mm -hmm. comfort. Um, you know, one of the strategies is when you are starting to delegate responsibility is to you know make sure that the standard is clear, right? So if you're if you're delegating a task or a set of tasks to somebody, if they don't know what they're trying to accomplish, you can't get mad at them for mm -hmm. falling short. Um, so, you know, being, being, you know, understanding that the more clear you make the expectation, the, the better the result, and then the more coaching and support, which I know you're used to providing, yeah. um, you know, the, the more likely someone is to be able to get to that standard and, and most likely exceed that standard. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you, you bring that up is I was at a coaching clinic, uh, uh, about a month ago. And, uh, one of the coaches that I listened to, I, I can't remember off the top of my who, who was his high school coach out of, uh one of the bigger schools in the country, uh, St. Saint, Saint Xavier, I believe. Um, he talked about when you're, when you're instructing your, your players, don't just show them the how, but tell them the why. Mm -hmm. 
you know, for, for example, um, you know, if you're putting in a red zone specific pass play, yeah, we got to show them how and teach them the technique and, and all that good stuff, but tell them why we're doing what we're doing and, and why it's going to work in this situation. You know, make sure they understand there's a purpose uh, behind what we're teaching. Uh, and sometimes that helps, uh, helps with them in terms of learning, but it, that also applies to your coaches, you know, the guys yeah. that you're asking to do work for you. Hey, do this for me. You got to be able to tell them what they're doing and also why they're doing it. Um, there's got to be a reason behind it. I think that, that helps people understand what they're doing and also shows them that, that it serves a good purpose. Absolutely, yeah. Making sure people understand that it's for it's not for you, it's for us. Yeah, which is exactly. a key point. Thank you again for joining us today. We will continue our conversation with Greg Jaskod from Xavier High School in our next podcast. Remember. Great leadership looks, sounds, and feels different based on the leader and the situation. However, there is a common thread that connects all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead, and they spend most of their time in their stretch zone, not settling for that which is comfortable, because nothing exceptional was ever accomplished from comfort.